From the studios of Teeing It Up in the swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up for, excuse me, Monday, August 31st, the year 2020, MLB trade deadline day. We'll get to that later on in the show. And for the first time in a long time, we welcome back to the air the voice of the Citadel, the host of the Morrow Midday Show on ESPN Radio 98.9 in Charleston, South Carolina, and the co-host of Teeing Up Presents the Sunday Sprint, which debuts yet another season, we think, next Sunday. Um, but who knows at this point. Uh, Luke Morrow is with us uh, back on the podcast. Hello, Luke. Hello. Yeah, it's been so long. I think the last time I was still doing mornings. Uh, I got to change, so properly change the introduction. It's been a while. Yes, yes. Uh, you have changed, I think, time slots since you were on the show. Um, so let's see. Since you were on the show, Theodore Roosevelt was president. Um, <laughs> no. Um, what I think is interesting is that this is not a normal radio appearance. Um, this is not two friends. This is something that I'm really excited about. It's something that I know you're really exciting, uh, um, excited about. So do you want to tell the people what's up, or should I tell the people what's up? Oh, you could tell the people. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's probably, I guess, more of your news, I would say. You're, you're the star, so you can, you can share. But is this also a sense of you've talked for three hours already today and <laughs> I can take some of the burden off by explaining what's happening here? That also definitely plays a role. Okay. Um, Luke's show is 12 to 3 Eastern Time um, every day on ESPN Radio 98.9. Beginning this Wednesday, September... God, I can't do dates. 2nd. Um... Somewhere between that 12 to 3, and we'll try to get it in a consistent time every week. Um, I am honored uh, to say that I will be doing a golf segment um, on Luke's show. And I want to publicly thank Luke for, for having me on now as, on a weekly basis. And it is presented, sponsored. We're getting big here, Luke. We now have a sponsor. Um, by... Pro Green Synthetic right. Turf Systems. And this is a big deal because um, this is a company that was founded in 1987, as it says itself on its website, from a love of golf. So if there was ever a golf segment and a golf sponsor to come together, this is one of them. Um, and now they have lawns, um, dogs, putting greens, tee lines, playgrounds, pool surrounds, and much more. Uh, Pro Green, Pro Green I'm once again reading off the website, is the only artificial turf company in North America producing 100% of of their own products in our in their own production. Sorry, their own manufacturing facilities. For more, call 855-464-8873. Pro Green. Synthetic turf systems. How am I doing on prepping for the live read? Perfect. I'm very impressed. You, you, yeah, you can handle it. Uh, you're, you're more prepared right now than I am. So, did you know that they have two North American facilities that are both ISO nine zero zero one certified, state of the art in 
Dadeville, Alabama, and Chat and and Chatsworth, Georgia. I was unaware, but uh, hey, that's good to know. The 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 Dadeville facility extrudes the yarns that become the glass the grass fibers. The Chatsworth facility does the tufting and coating. So there's a little bit of the insight about ProGreen. What I think is fascinating about this, Luke, is everybody hears about weekly spots and they think it's about the money and for the guest. And the one of the reasons why I love coming on your show is that it's not about the money. It's not about the sponsor um, and trying to do, you know, you know, trying to, to woo or, or woo sponsors. You want a quality radio program for three hours every day in Charleston. And for somebody who you would admit first is not the biggest golfer or golf fan, you are somebody that always enjoys speaking and talking about the game and being open to doing that one segment to why Leonard Fournette would be great for whatever team the next segment is. I think why you're a great host and why I enjoy so much coming up uh, 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 coming on the show. Oh, well, I appreciate the kind words. You know, you already have the weekly spot. You don't have to butter me up anymore. It's a, no, but I'm just yeah. telling the people what's different <laughs> about your show versus others. There's no ego involved. It's very much a conversation. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, well, you know, always throughout my career and really my life as well, I guess, I never try to take myself too seriously. And uh, it's... Um, you know, what's interesting is just in sports talk in general, and I'm sure you and I could talk, you know, radio all day, but the thought process of many is uh, three topics, three guests for a three-hour show. Um, but I can't, I, I, three topics to me isn't enough. It's boring. I can't talk about the same thing. So I like mixing it up. I'm not the biggest golf guy. That's why we have you come on, and you certainly know your stuff, and to add to that conversation that you spoke to. And it's a nice change of pace, and especially around here. I mean, there's so many golf fans, and, and golf is such a popular sport in this state um, that I think uh, maybe differently than uh, a lot of other places, it serves you well in this area to to talk some golf. And so, um, you know, we're, we, we've done that, and now we'll continue to do so on a weekly basis. And I think with your insight, it's, uh, it certainly is a, a good uh, discussion, and, and you bring a lot to the table for, for those that our golf fans or even just average sports fans that listen to the show. Well, well, thank you. I uh, greatly appreciate that. And yes, um, Charleston, Hilton Head, Myrtle Beach, um, Savannah, Georgia. I mean, it's a golfing hotbed down there, obviously. But to that end, I think a company like ProGreen has put themselves in the right location. And that's also why this has probably been a match between station and sponsor and by the way we should point out this is a station wide thing um from pro green and espm radio 98.9 uh charleston so i am very excited to get started and i want to ask you this because you are a big nba fan you enjoy watching the nba and We've obviously got the playoffs going on, but we also have the FedEx Cup playoffs going on in golf. And what happened yesterday between Justin, um, sorry, Dustin Johnson and John Rahm was sensational. Did that break through for you while you were looking at your Sunday evening sports viewing palette when you looked at social media or when you looked at what was being discussed while on air today or just discussed around the around the office did that break through 
at all? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, not at all. I'll be honest, uh, we didn't spend a second on it today. Uh, the only time I, I came across it or heard about it was on uh, Twitter over the last 24 hours. But um, I'll, I'll watch Sunday golf because obviously you know, for the casual fan, that's, that's the most exciting part. Uh, but I did not catch any yesterday uh, right now, which is so much going on. Um, even the NBA is kind of suffering from it with, with their ratings is that uh, there's so many sports to choose from. And for me, golf, you know, as you know, isn't at the top of my list. So uh, outside of Twitter, it didn't really register for me here this weekend. And that, I think, leads to the next thing I want to talk about, which is you are the radio home of both South Carolina and Clemson, two conferences that are playing. Has football, college and pro, broken through yet? Because I also have a feeling that because there's been no preseason in the NFL, because there's been all these question marks, we know that fantasy football signups are down and down by a pretty good percentage. Has that talk broken through on the air or is it still just one thing one day, one thing another day, one thing another day? Yeah, that's a good question. I would say NFL... Yeah, around here, I would say yes, they both have. But in general, I do agree with your point that in the NFL, with uh, without the lack or with the lack of a preseason and normal off season, yeah, the NFL season is going to sneak up on a lot of people. I mean, it's it's now what ten days away? A week yeah. is Thursday. Yeah. Uh, I've dealt with it with friends talking about the fantasy draft, and they don't realize that we need to get our draft done because the season's about to start. So I think it's going to sneak up on a lot of people. Now around here in this area football in general but especially college football is so huge it's the number one sport down here and um so college football has certainly been on the radar from day one but but more so the sense of can we do this or will this happen uh that's been a topic whereas the nfl we knew the nfl was going to try uh the nfl never wavered yeah they canceled preseason games but i mean they've stayed on schedule whether it's the draft free agency the start of their season next week Everything. So, you know, they've just kind of put their head down and, and plowed ahead. But for college football, that has really resonated with a lot of people. But the conversation has more so been, okay, you know, is it going to happen? Are we going to get through the year? I'm trying to, we try to do as many conversations as we can about what's going to happen once they get out on the field. Who are the favorites? Can anyone challenge Clemson? Yada, yada, yada. But still, um, a lot of the focus is if it actually is going to happen. And a lot of focus, unfortunately, and I'm very guilty of this. But a lot of the focus, unfortunately, is on the Big Ten because of their whole debacle in the situation. And we have a way of uh, focusing on the negative in this country or in the media. A lot of media members have been criticized for that in their coverage of sports trying to play during a pandemic. Um, but I feel that the Big Ten, and again, we've done a lot of that on my show, is that the Big Ten gets more focus than anyone, and they're the one conference that isn't even playing. But that's the bigger topic. Uh, this is the Big Ten situation when really we should be focusing on the schools that are getting out there the next couple of weeks. So people are looking forward to their college football down here. We've done a lot of football. Uh, the NFL, I think, is going to sneak up on a lot of people. But because there are so many questions surrounding college football, you know, that's been on more people's radars than the NFL. Okay, I completely disagree with your premise. Oh, all right. And that reaction, folks, is because Luke and I rarely disagree hugely. True. Like... 100%. Sometimes we'll, we'll pick different teams for games, but it's rare that, that, that we have a fundamental disagreement like this. In my mind, what the Big Ten did is vital. Um, whether you believe it's, 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 it's the right move or the wrong move, that was the right thing to focus on because the Pac-12 followed suit, and now you have this question 
of who the heck is your national champion and can you have a proper playoff and a proper national champion if two conferences, one of which includes Ohio State, does not play. Furthermore, we are entering a scenario where now the Big Ten says, ooh, maybe we can play on Thanksgiving. And this is a complete mess because now what does the college football do? Are we going to have Alabama, Ohio State national champion with Alabama on a three-month bye week? Like, what the heck is going to happen? This, to me, is an absolute mess. And the fact that there, there is not somebody who could make a single unified decision, and I, and, and I get it, it's different in different places of the country, it's different in, in different everything. That, to me, is a mess. That's number one. Number two, I believe you have been rightly to focus on the negative because we have a fundamental health crisis going on in college football. If the Big Ten believes there is an issue with a heart disorder, why the heck do they have data that says one thing? The Pac-12 says, ooh, we have that data. That's another thing. And three other conferences, one of which includes Duke Medical, who had their uh, sorry uh, uh, Duke, who had their Duke Medical Center medical advisors say, "Okay, we're good to play." Say, "Eh, it's all right. We we can manage it. We can play." To me, there had to be a sharing of information instantly between these conferences and their medical advisors to get on the same page. And if that point it becomes clear that one conference can't go. Then you go from that point. But that never happened. And lastly, you go from playing in the spring and now playing in Thanksgiving. What the heck happened with this heart condition, especially when everybody expects the numbers to rise as fall begins? I, hey, I agree with everything you just said. And we've talked about all that on the show and we've covered the Big Ten. My point just being is that, you know, football started this weekend. I mean, it was Austin P in Central Arkansas, but I, hey, I watched the whole game Saturday night. I loved it. And uh, we got more games on Thursday, and then, you know, within less than two weeks, the ACC starts and all this stuff, and still the Big Ten has dominated the conversation. And, yeah, dominated because of those things you just touched on and how much of a mess it is. I guess my point just being that it is sad that that's what we are focusing on instead of those that are actually able to go pull this off that we do have this story that keeps coming up, which is the Big Ten and how big of a mess they are. We spent time, uh, quite a bit of time today, I think more time on the Big Ten than any other topic today about this latest idea of potentially playing in Thanksgiving. And it is a big story, and we'll continue to cover it. And, and uh, as this thing, as this road winds for the Big Ten until whenever they actually play, it's just that I almost wish the Big Ten would just go away. Like, they decided not to play in the fall. But go away until you play, whether that's in January, November, whatever, and let's talk about and focus about the games we actually hope and expect to have with the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 instead of every day. It's something new. What's the Big Ten doing now? How are they embarrassing themselves? And going on and on talking about them continuing to uh, spin their wheels, really, in, in this fall season when we hope we'll have plenty of other football to talk about as well. Okay, now I agree with you, Luke, from ESPN Radio 98.9, Charleston, South Carolina, uh, the uh, Moral Midday Show, weekdays 12 to 3. I agree with everything you just said, Luke, but I would argue that it, it immediately makes, if they can't figure out a way to get a college football playoff, 
immediately makes, I'm going to choose Clemson here on purpose, not just because it's, 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 it's from your, your area, but I believe they become instant national champion favorites, that it makes every single thing that happens when the opening kickoff occurs moot and irrelevant if we can't get a proper champion. Because what are any of those teams playing for, especially Clemson with how weak the ACC is? They are only playing for the playoffs. Everything else is a preseason game. And it immediately makes the entire uh, uh, Clemson football program, in my opinion, irrelevant for the entire season because this will not be a proper champion crowned. Yeah, it would certainly change things. I wouldn't, personally, I wouldn't say irrelevant. Uh, for these programs, I think it's important to play for the finances, you know, for the money that they'll bring. Oh, totally, the totally. Other, yeah, to help the other programs keep try to keep jobs um, and all that sort of stuff so they don't have to cut programs or scholarships. For certain players, you know, for their, they're playing for their draft stocks for the NFL uh, for 2021 or beyond. And um, if you're in the SEC, no, it's not a national title, but if the best you can do is settle for the SEC championship, that still carries a lot of weight because that conference is so good. The ACC is terrible. Clemson will win the ACC. They'll go undefeated again this year, and no one will compete with them. Uh, so the ACC, yeah, I mean, for the conference, all they have to look forward to is Clemson trying to go win a national title. But, you know, I'd say the same thing about Ohio State trying to play in January. I mean, as of now, the playoff plan is to hold to hold it in December uh, or January 1st, New, you know, New Year's Day, have the, the semifinals um, as scheduled. And so then for Ohio State to play in the fall, you know, that's where, or uh, the spring, rather, that's where the conversation turns to them. It's like, well, what, you know, what are you bothering for if everyone else has already played their seasons and we had a national champion, why even bother to play in the spring? when your stars won't be there because they have an NFL draft to get ready for. And that's why I think that all this talk about who's playing and not playing is completely relevant. And while I understand that you wish it would go away so that you can focus on what's happening on the field, it instantly impacts what happens on the field because nobody knows what they're playing for suddenly. And that, I think, is the crux of that and why I'm so passionate about this and what the Big Ten did because they have completely caused mayhem when they could have gone about this a completely different way and, and given uh, Bill Hancock and everybody at the College Football Selection Committee a, a very clear path to uh, follow. We're talking with Luke Morrow here on uh, Teeing It Up. I'll be appearing on a show every Wednesday, starting this Wednesday, to talk golf with thanks to Pro Green Synthetic Turf Systems for that and their support. Luke, um, I was not around today. I was not focusing on sports. I only got push alerts, so I need some help here when it comes to the MLB trade deadline. Um, the Padres seem to be acquiring every player they possibly can in the last three days, is this team finally have enough pieces and enough pitching, especially with the Clevenger trade, to give Manny Machado a chance at making a deep run in the playoffs? Well, they're certainly going all in and trying. Um, I like this team. I've been high on this team all year. Um, you know, it's interesting. The teams, there was a... a, a I don't even call it a study, but an article that pointed out for Baseball America, they, Baseball America ranks their farm systems, best farm systems every year. And going back to 2005, uh, the team with the number one farm system makes the playoffs within two years. 
and that would be the Padres uh, this year. I mean, if this trend continues, they'd be a playoff team this year. Uh, they're certainly heading that way, but also that farm system helps with, with a couple of different things. One, this year we know depth is so important. Uh, you have to use a lot of different guys, and the Padres have a deep farm system that they can pull up other guys off the, that aren't on the Major League roster and help. And then two, as we saw here this weekend, uh, today specifically, is the number of trades that the Padres are able to pull off by sending off a handful of their good prospects, and, and they're going all in. And uh, I love the moves for the Padres to be aggressive. You add a good pitcher in Clevenger. Mitch Moreland is a, a good bat, streaky hitter, and a veteran to help uh, in the playoffs. They added a catcher. Um, their relievers, I like the relievers. Uh, you know, they, they have enough pieces that I don't know if they can win a World Series. I don't know if they can challenge the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are just much better than everyone. But if you're San Diego, you kind of have to go for it because a lot of that team is young. And we've seen in all sports. I mean, when you have young guys, especially in the NFL these days, that's your opportunity before you have to pay these guys, before you know they're due for free agency and they're no longer arbitration eligible in baseball. So I love the Padres team. They're a lot of fun. They have a great lineup. Yeah, the pitching, as you mentioned, would be my concern. But you have Chris Paddock and you have Kirby Yates when healthy at the back end of the bullpen. Um, and now you bring in Glevinger. They're going to be fun. They're one of the best teams in the NL. I don't know if anyone can catch up to the Dodgers, though. We shall see how that uh, shakes out in terms of the playoff push. Um, the person I was with today, when I told them that Starling Marte had been traded to the Marlins, looked at me and said, the Marlins added somebody? So, can I, and I'm, as I said, I've been completely detached. What is Derek Jeter doing? Is he trying to look towards the future himself? Yeah, I was, I was confused by the Marlins. They moved a few people around today, and... Um you know, they're, the NL East has been a bit of a letdown this year, and the Marlins are two and a half back. They're within striking distance of the Braves. And we know this year the eight playoff teams, I haven't looked at the eight, but I think the Marlins, they're in the playoff field right now. In fact, looking quickly, I think they're the, they'd be the sixth or seventh seed, so they'd be in the playoffs. But it just kind of feels like it's the opposite of everything that Miami has done these last couple of years to operate, um, where it seems like they're making a move to kind of try to go for it, I guess, I suppose. Um the Mar- it's, it's good to see because for the last X number of years it seems like the Marlins don't care and they're irrelevant and you know just trying to make cost-cutting moves and this one's been shaped as a, a move that you, you, you're making to try to win right now and so it's nice to see I want all, all you, Major League Baseball wants all the teams to be competitive trying not slashing budget or payroll and so um, yeah we're in an interesting situation where the Marlins had the biggest outbreak in baseball and they missed a bunch of games and it is the Marlins who were one of the worst teams in baseball last year and yet right now they're in second place and they feel good enough that they're out you know trying to be buyers to make a run into the playoffs um, what else not that I missed but of all the trades is there were a whole bunch of them um, what from this trade deadline stands out to you most well there's a uh, Number one is there are a lot more moves than I anticipated. 16 teams in the playoffs this year, uh, shorter season, so I would think that most teams would feel like they were still in it and wouldn't want to be selling. Also, just an unusual year. I thought maybe that would turn people off that with everything else these GMs are dealing with, that they just wouldn't want to worry about trades because it's just a weird season. But nonetheless, a lot of players were on the move. Um, you know, there wasn't, I don't think there was a big blockbuster. It certainly wasn't a big blockbuster. I don't know if there was a big move. Maybe the Clevenger deal that we'll look back on and think like, man, that was a game changer for, for this particular season. 
maybe the Clevenger deal. There are a lot of minor things trying to add little pieces, especially in the fishing department for a lot of these teams or their depth has been tested. I just tell you from around here in this area, you know, this is Braves country, and I think it's very disappointing that the Braves didn't do anything today and that they settled for just Tommy Malone over the weekend who couldn't even make it through the third inning last night in his Braves debut. Uh, Atlanta has a great lineup. They got a good bullpen. The rotation is a mess. They have one and a half starting pitchers right now. And it's been a theme for the Braves in the last couple of years that they've just been wasting all this young talent they have. And for them to sit on their hands at this deadline and not do anything for that rotation, I think uh, could end up costing them any potential playoff run. And this will be another season where it's like, man, this team has a lot of talent. They got a lot of pieces. And they just, you know, again, another year without anything. The Braves haven't won a playoff series in uh, 19 years, I think it is. Um, and they have uh, plenty of talent on that team that I thought they needed to do something to that. And I believe the Yankees also stood pat, which is surprising, because yeah. they have had all kinds of, of injury problems, and they said that he went to went up to the 4 p.m. deadline trying to push something uh, through but couldn't find a sensible match on the injury front, quote, knowing that we're getting everybody back at some point. That's certainly exciting. He was trying to trade for a starting pitcher, apparently, but, quote, the names that were necessary to, ex- to uh, sorry, the names that were necessary to execute certain things um, are names that we are going to rely on in the present and future. I would think one of them is Clint Frazier, um, who the Yankees have been holding on to for dear life and do not want to part ways with. So that would be um, that. We're talking with Luke Morrow here on Teeing It Up. Um, you are above all, uh, well, besides being a Vikings fan, but but you are an Orlando Magic fan, and you guys made the playoffs. You lose to the Bucks. Are you optimistic about the future for this team? Uh, were you disappointed that, that it was a five-game series? Is Milwaukee just so much better, and it didn't matter what it what you guys wanted to do what's your takeaway um as you as as you take a step back um and uh think about what you saw over the last couple of days yeah i i was impressed with the magic this year i mean now back-to-back years in the playoffs both years on eight seed and same thing happened they won game one against the raptors last year and then i got swept after that one game one against the bucks this year and then got swept after that uh, but nonetheless, I mean, promising just to get there. I didn't think the, the Magic either these last two years would have been a playoff team. And in that Buck series, you know, they stole that first one, and then it was mostly non-competitive, which is what I anticipated. I, I didn't think they put up much of a fight. Um, and they were without Aaron Gordon was a big loss. Even Jonathan Isaac uh, wasn't playing in the playoffs. Mo Bamba, who, you know, was a role player. So they were down three guys. Aaron Gordon's uh, maybe their second-best player. So I didn't have high expectations, but... Uh, promising just to see them get there and certainly promising for the future back-to-back playoff berths these last two years after they were certainly a, a disaster and you know they got some young talent I mean Nikola Vucevic isn't uh, all that young anymore but but he's a guy that um, we've seen can lead this team and they have some other young pieces that they can try to build around here moving forward and build off of this playoff success. But it's, it's, it's funny, I thought they had a more talented team a few years ago, and, and yet they couldn't even sniff the playoffs, and now they get there these last two years. But 
I guess it's a sign of, of hopefully good things to come in the future. And the East is a, certainly the much easier conference. So, you know, you try to add a couple of pieces and, and try to bump up a few spots in the standings and, and make another run next year as a, hopefully having a winning season. Yeah, we're talking to Luke Morrow here. Um, you and I, sometimes we look as fans, sometimes we look as media connoisseurs. Um, what's your overall thoughts? And I'm, I'm obviously asking you to uh, reiterate something you've already said on air a thousand times, so I apologize because um, I want to not burden you with that, but what's been your overall thoughts on the bubble? Oh, it's been great. I mean, the actual basketball has been great. Um, I thought it would work out. I, I said it would. I remember having the discussion even off air with people, and they were saying, you know, oh, it just takes one person. They're all going to be so close to each other. Staff member, that you know, that they, the hotel staff members, when they change shifts, someone's going to come in. And, and uh, you know, I was very optimistic that it would work out from a testing standpoint. My concern was, the actual action and the games, uh, I thought without fans, it'd be a little weird. These guys, you know, away from their families, same hotel room for up to maybe three to four months, that it would just drag on them. Um, but so far, it's been fantastic. I think the basketball has actually been better. I wish that you could play in a bubble environment every year. Um, it's a, it's almost like a shooter's paradise. Uh, these smaller gyms help the shooters uh, with the sight lines and depth perception. It's also what they're used to. These smaller gyms are what they practice in during the season and off season instead of the big arenas um and uh and and these guys we've seen so many big performances whether it's murray and mitchell right now in that denver utah series luka Doncic, um damian lillard went off obviously and these guys don't have to worry about travel uh they're eating better because the nba is taking care of all of their meals now so they're not stopping at like a mcdonald's or something you know they're eating great meals every every meal um it's been perfect for the players it's been a great setup it's worked out well, um, and also important for the players and, and for society is the you know the stance the NBA has taken by the messages they're getting across as well. And so uh, um, you know the ratings may not be what they wish they were, but I think when you look at it overall, the basketball has been good, better than I was even expecting. The tests have been non-existent, at least positive results. And uh, I know the players, you know, boycotted last week, but, but in terms of what the NBA is doing for these players and listening to the guys, you know, that's going on as well. So if I'm Adam Silver, again, I wish my ratings were up a little bit higher, uh, and I wish that he, maybe there wasn't a, a stop in action last week, but overall I think you got to be very pleased with the way this bubble has gone because, um, you know, Major League Baseball has had some struggles. The NFL, I'm sure, will have some hiccups, and the NBA really has it in terms of keeping these guys safe and, and playing games. It's been amazing that it's gone as, as well as it has, that, that there hasn't been a positive test. Obviously, now becomes the interesting part because we're going to get some family members in there and that can create um, some more potential issues if a family member goes rogue um, and, and goes to a place that they shouldn't. I think part of... Um, I, I honestly think that... One of the reasons why it's been a success is that everybody, A, bought in, B, they gave them a whole lead time, C, they made sure that nobody that had had a COVID issue traveled with them at all until they were cleared. So I, I think it made them relax in that um, situation. But I also think the fact that the basketball has been so good and so high quality um, has helped them buy in even more. I think if this was a joke, if this was, um, you know, just 
fooling around, I, I think it would have been looked on poorly. And then I also think they meant they they made one really smart decision, which was not only to have the eight seeding games, which were more important for the West and for the East, but to also have um, several exhibition games. And what Rachel Nichols was saying was that in one of the exhibition games, they had the music up way too loud and all the players complained and then the coaches complained and the NBA looked into it and indeed they had all the pumped in stuff too loud and they lowered it and then they made that similar across all the arenas and all the complaints about that went away. So they were very open, I think, by having the exhibition games because look, every year we talk about the NCAA tournament, you go into um, a football stadium and you've got sight line and uh and uh depth perception issues that crop up annually with these great shooters who suddenly go cold and i think with with the exhibition games and then with the seating games they were able to work out any operational kinks but also get the players comfortable with where they were playing which is obviously important and that now um they could just play basketball, and, and it really has been really good basketball um, since they came back. So I think that move also was smart because, as Rachel said, quote, it was obnoxious. They needed to change that. <laughs> so they clearly made a smart move um, to have exhibition games down there so that they could work out those kinks. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we close up shop on your heavy radio podcast day? You know, I don't know. Nothing comes to mind. Uh, whatever you wish. The only thing I would say is, just in regards to what you just mentioned, that's my concern for the NFL. I wish they did. Uh, I understand why they cancel preseason games, but do I wish they did two? One, you know, each team has a home game so that you can run through what it's going to be like in this pandemic, just to have a game in your stadium and what it's going to be like for the guys and the officials and everything else. Um, now instead, you're going to be learning on the fly as you go. Week one, when you start Chiefs. Uh, Texans next week and having to do so in games that, that count and are important that count towards trying to win a Super Bowl so that was the one thing for the NFL I get canceling the preseason games and, and mitigating the risk and all that sort of stuff but it would have been nice to have a dress rehearsal for these teams to be familiar and prepared for whatever they're going to have to deal with come well, next Thursday so here's what I think is interesting a lot of the teams I'm not sure if the Vikings have done this have held scrimmages inside their stadium to give the stadium workers um, a trial run and give the teams a trial run. The problem is these are inter-squad scrimmages, and I think this this could be a one little bit of a home field advantage for these home teams, is that these road teams now suddenly have to work out their kinks, and because there were no um, um, scrimmages between um, different teams, and they haven't seen another person and their equipment managers haven't walked into another venue yet, I think that's where the problems start. It's not so much actually the procedures, because I think they'll get that, um, sorry, the, the, the actual football, because I think for the teams that did do scrimmages or some kind of action inside their stadium, they've worked out those kinks. But I think for some of the operations staff, this could be uh, somewhat problematic and take a little bit to fully get up to speed. Certainly. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, we'll see. I'm just looking forward to kicking it off next Thursday and uh, and going from there. I think the NFL gets through the year. I think we have a Super Bowl champ, and uh, I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm looking forward to finding out. 
Let's run through this really quickly. The winner of the NBA bubble is... Uh, I'll say Clippers. I've been on the Clippers from before the season. I'll stick with them. Lakers. The winner of the World Series, if there is a World Series, if it's in a bubble, hopefully in Dodger <laughs> Stadium, is... I'll go chalk. I mean, they always they choke, but this is a Dodgers World Series to lose this year. I'm with you, sadly. Um, I still think it'll be a Yankee-Dodger World Series because I think they can get healthy in time. But um, I, I'm also Dodgers. The winner of the Stanley Cup Finals in the NHL's bubble is... Oh, man, you're really testing me. I don't even know who's left. I, I was watching the NHL games early on, and now with all these other sports, I don't watch them anymore. I'm not watching either, so I'll just pick... Um, I'll pick the the, the the Islanders just because I know they're still participating and have done well in this series so far. I do like the Islanders, uh, but I want to pick something different from you. I'll just say the Lightning. I know they're still blind. Let's okay, there, there you go. The winner... Of the Super Bowl is ah uh, man, that's tough. I don't stop right there. You'll find out next <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> All right, I you like saw it. what I did there. You saw what I did there. On <laughs> um, teeing it up presents the Sunday Sprint season premiere next Sunday, and remember, with great thanks to Pro Green Synthetic Turf Systems. Um, my weekly spot, I don't know what the name for it's going to be. Um, probably the contract says what it'll be for on uh, your end when, when the read comes up. But uh, Talking Golf every Wednesday on the Morrow Midday Show. Uh, Luke, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up in what was a different capacity, but a really exciting capacity. Yeah. Hey, my pleasure, as always. It's been a while. I'm looking forward to, uh, to Wednesday. And I did not envision having a disagreement with you so that was fun <laughs> yeah hey, I, uh, hey that makes for uh, for good radio so. yes yes absolutely thank you for uh, calling in and thanks to everybody out there for listening we will see you shortly <laughs>